0: I want to see your life, these ballrooms you're always talking about with the with the trophies and everything. I want to, I want to see that. For real? I mean, you know what my life is like. It's boring. It's stupid. Every movie, TV show, or ad in a magazine shows what my life is like. But come mm-hmm. on. Only chance I'm gonna get to understand in your world is if you show me.
1: I've never brought a date to the ball before.
0: I'm not a date. I'm your boyfriend. All right, second day of school.
1: Remember what I told you, if anybody has a problem with what you're wearing? Tell them to wait for me under the high voltage
0: lines. (laughs) Now the other thing. It's their problem. And we should all be ourselves, but if things get rough, I put pants and a t-shirt in your backpack, and you know what? You're still gonna be you. No, I
1: won't. I'm fine, Mom. Well, what if that kid teases you again or pushes you down or something? He'll get tired of it eventually. I like my clothes. And you, Handmaid8967, your existence is an abomination. True justice would see you sent to an eternity of suffering. But God has seen fit to make you fruitful, and by that we are bound. Handmaid8967, you are sentenced to redemption. Sentences will be carried out immediately.
0: to the newest edition of Joe's Media Corner. This week we're talking about some great news on scripted broadcast and cable television. That's an increase in LGBTQ characters, lesbian, bisexual, gay, and transgender folks on television, and the numbers are up. According to GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, more scripted characters are on cable and broadcast television from the LGBTQ community than ever before. That's great news. You heard some clips from three of those shows that are promoting those wonderful characters and attributes. That was Pose, the new show on FX, which deals with a great transgender character. Roseanne, which is now the Connors, sees grandson Mark questioning his identity. And, of course, The Handmaid's Tale, which has a lot of excellent... Lesbian portrayals, and also showing how their abuse is way too common in that show. So we're going to talk to Rich Ferraro from GLAD. He's one of their spokesmen about the findings of the report, what it means, and how they still have a ways to go. But first, let's talk about our new sponsor. That's Jiminy's. Jiminy's delicious dog treats. They use cricket protein. Yes, cricket protein for your dog. But it's better than beef or chicken because number one, it's sustainable, and Jiminy's uses less water and land than beef and chicken. That of course is great for the environment. And compared to a six bag of beef treats one six ounce bag of Jiminy's treats saves 250 gallons of water so check them out online at Jiminy's.com that's j-i-m-i-n-y-s.com and now back to our show and here's our interview with Rich Ferraro and hello Rich how you doing things are good how about you good so we're talking to you you are Rich Ferraro chief communication officer and glad of course is gay and lesbian alliance against defamation one of the best organizations out there for uh, lgbtq rights and accomplishments and needs I and mean, obviously we're talking into the media realm you have the annual where we are on TV report how long has Glad been doing this report do you know this is the 14th year that we've been producing the where we are on TV report
1: and counting the number of LGBTQ characters on scripted television we used to count characters before the where we are on TV report but there really just weren't
0: enough if you think back 15 years to produce a big report like this. And this year's report came out uh, last week, and it's good news. It, we're seeing, um, looking at the highlights, let's say, of the 857 regular characters expected to appear on broadcasted, scripted primetime programming this season, 75, or 8.8%, were identified as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and or queer, the highest percentage GLAAD has found in the 14 years. The report has counted all broadcast series regulars um, and an additional 38 recurring characters. And what... How, what does this say about where things are going for, for gay and lesbian and, uh, and uh, other uh, LGBT characters on TV? Is this more than you'd expect or about the same, or uh, and what's the impact you're seeing? Yeah, well, this year's finding, again, the, the
1: record high percentage of LGBTQ characters has been something that GLAAD has been pushing for since we were founded, which uh, was over 33 years ago now. We've always been pushing for not only LGBTQ characters, but fleshed out characters and stories that are gonna move and change hearts and minds. Like the thinking and the secret sauce behind Glad as a media advocacy organization is that when people see stories about LGBTQ people in the news or watch television or watch films, and now more and more go on social media and see LGBTQ images, those build understanding and they grow acceptance of LGBTQ people among non-LGBTQ audiences. So this year, the Where We Are TV report found the record high percentage of LGBTQ characters, which was really good and welcome news, especially in this charged political and cultural climate that Mm -hmm. we're living in. But I think the bigger headline was not just that the number was up or that the number reached an all-time high, and the the high was that it was 8.8% of characters on scripted broadcast television are LGBTQ. But the bigger headline for us, and the one that we were more excited about, was that the um, number of LGBTQ people of color outnumbered the number of LGBTQ white people on broadcast scripted television when you look at the the number of regular characters and why this is important is because for so long, LGBTQ people of color, LGBTQ women, minorities within the LGBTQ space were really lacking in the overall environment of television. And we know that both for the LGBTQ community, if you can't see yourself on television and see stories that you can relate to your life, it's going to be a lot more difficult and that isolation can set in. So now you have shows like Pose, you have shows like Fresh Off the Boat. Um, which features a young queer Asian woman and as a result these uh, minorities within the LGBTQ community are able to relate to stories and see that they're not alone. At the same time, those LGBTQ characters are growing understanding within the Black community, within the Asian community, for folks who might not know LGBTQ people in their daily lives. And I think it's also interesting in our report, in addition to LGBTQ characters, we count overall diversity. So the number of Black characters, even those who are not LGBTQ. And across the board, we count Black Latinx people, characters rather, and also Asian Pacific Islanders and also characters with disabilities. Across the board, diversity was up. So all of these discussions that you're hearing about in Hollywood about growing diversity and growing inclusion is working. And I think now the challenge for Hollywood is to not only keep up this pace – But build stories that are not based on stereotypes, build stories that are not focused on that person's sexual orientation, gender identity or race, but um, make that just be a part of those
0: characters. Now, in your data, you mentioned that the number of regular LGBTQ characters counted on scripted primetime cable increased to 120. And there's actually more of them on cable with 120 There are yeah, yeah. I mean there's more yeah. there are more shows on cable yeah.
1: there are more networks um, and I think traditionally we always saw a bit more on cable because cable net some of them really tended to take risks. And I think what you're seeing now that broadcast is up to this record high is that it's not risky anymore to put an LGBTQ character on your show. You don't have to worry about things like boycotts. You don't have to worry about upsetting or turning off the everyday American because when Americans watch television, they expect to see their real worlds often reflected in those shows. And today that includes LGBTQ people in the workplace or when they open the newspaper or um, even within their own families. So as LGBTQ visibility in real life has grown, we've seen LGBTQ visibility grow on television. And I think there's like huge synergy between with more LGBTQ people being out in real life, television is able to put more stories on screen. And at the same time, as more and more people see these stories on television, they feel
0: comfortable coming out in their own lives. And it's interesting that You see 75 characters in original scripted series on just Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix, which uh, is 37 recurring characters. That's a pretty strong number for those outlets but as you said they're pretty they're pretty groundbreaking netflix and hulu and amazon's just obviously getting into there but um i know one of my favorite shows is a handmaid's tale which had a lot of different characters a lot of different lgbtq moments and characters in there netflix obviously runs the gambit with right. a wide variety of things like like
1: um i think the streaming services it seems like they're looking for shows that are going to break through the clutter really make noise and generate a lot of buzz and awards mentions And right now, LGBTQ stories, when they're told right and when they're new and interesting, when it's not like the typical white gay guy who might be a bit effeminate, Mm -hmm. but when you have characters like Alexis Bledel's character on Handmaid's Tale or Laverne Cox's character on Orange is the New Black, when they're new, when they're first, they create a lot of buzz. They create a lot of earned media for a show. And LGBTQ people and allies of LGBTQ people really rally around those characters. I mean, if you think of Orange is the New Black, when that premiered a couple of years ago, that was one of the ones to really put Netflix on the map as right. an original content creator. And it was the LGBTQ stories within that, whether it was Samir Wiley's character or Laverne Cox, who was really a first in terms of trans inclusion on television, yes. a trans woman playing a trans character and really educating countless people around the world about what being trans was um, and being nominated for an Emmy as a result, for the she was nominated for guest actress and became the first trans actress to be nominated for act. that opened so many doors and really put the show on the map, put Netflix on the map, it helped that the show was also extremely like well-written and there were other wonderful characters and great acting. Mm-hmm. But I think it was LGBTQ inclusion that kind of broke through the rest of the clutter in the, in that sense. So I think streaming have, has learned a lot from shows like Orange is the New Black, and now they do prioritize telling LGBTQ stories. Handmade Cell is a great example. We did a lot of work actually with Alexis Liddell, who plays a great um, gay woman on the show. And um, a really strong woman who's shedding light through her character on the discrimination that gay families
0: do face every day. Um, And we actually worked a lot with Alexis in preparing for her role on that. And for those who don't know Handmaid's Tale, she she played the doctor who had the child taken away and she split up from her wife, her partner. Um, and that was a very emotional part of that show. And how do you work with these shows? The number of characters and shows that we've worked on over the years. I've been at Glad for 10 years, so the number of characters and shows that I've worked on are
1: probably countless at this point. Um, but basically our steps are, yeah, it, it's exciting, and it's exciting to see how, you know, in the beginning, like when I started working at GLAAD over a decade ago, you're really just pushing for them to include LGBTQ women, and at that right. at that point, it was really lesbian women, not trans women, not bisexual women, mm-hmm. um, and LGBTQ people of color, because it was so it were, there were so many. White gay male characters, which opened doors, but we needed to push for more. So after we publish this report and it gets a ton of media attention, and the networks all get their news alerts blown up um, for mentions, um, we now sit down with basically all of the Netflix, all of the networks, and all the streaming and all of the cable. They are all really open to discussions because I think, especially right now, um, with pressure being put on Hollywood heavyweights to be more diverse and inclusive, we at Glad have really to break out of the old GLAD that people knew as to be a watchdog and to be as um, an organization that was going to attack a media outlet for not doing the right thing. Now we really see our role as being more of a resource. So we can put out these reports which really just document the fact. Then we'll sit down with the networks to talk about their own programming and to advocate for thinking outside the box. And now we have some real good proof points like Laverne Cox on Orange is the New Black, like Asia Kate Dillon, a non-binary actor playing a non-binary role on Showtime's Billions. We have these proof points to point to, to show that LGBTQ inclusion, when it's diverse, when it kind of uh, raises the bar, will not only be celebrated by the LGBTQ community and by GLAAD, but by the industry and by the mainstream media. LGBTQ characters that are new and that haven't been presented before are a great way to get earned media um, and to get buzz buzz going about your show. So we sit down with the networks and have those
0: discussions uh, now now that the report is out. When they, they come to you when they want to put a character on or or, or create a character to get guidance, or do you uh, seek to, to advise them and ask them to, to allow you in? How does that usually come about?
1: A lot of the shows know Glad as a resource sure. and an off-the-record and behind-the-scenes resource so that when they are thinking about putting an LGBTQ character, especially when it's one that – is new and that their identity might not be represented in the writers room so if you think about adding a transgender character or non-binary character to your show and this is unfortunate but it's likely that there are not trans or non-binary people in your writers room or on your show team There should be, that's something that we always recommend. But when there's not, we become that resource to um, review scripts and make sure that you're telling these stories in an authentic way. And oftentimes we'll also put them in touch with someone who identifies with that direct identity. We did a lot of work with, for instance, how to get away with murder when characters uh, disclosed that they were HIV positive, um, to put them in touch with LGBTQ people who were HIV positive and who were around the same age and the same um, ethnicity as the character and also happened to be in relationship. Because when you're telling a partner or when you're telling your parents that you're HIV positive, um, those are really nuanced
0: conversations that unless you've had them, uh, it's difficult to just create out of uh, out of the blue. And any examples of recent characters you, you were involved in helping with that people might know more than others? We've done a lot of work with the show on Stars Network, Vita, um, which
1: looks at Latinx um, uh, people Uh, a Latinx family, and there's a gay woman on the show. There's also a character who's played by a non-binary actor. So non-binary, those are people who don't identify as male and don't don't identify as man or woman, somewhere in between or just not on the spectrum. So they often use they, them pronouns. And um, one, it's important that these actors feel safe and included on set. So we've done a lot of discussions with Vita and other shows that have had non-binary people to make sure their set and their cast and their crew are prepared to have these conversations with a non-binary person, because oftentimes, though the intention is good, there's just not education or understanding about who these people are and how they identify, which is a very valid identity. And then we want to make sure that. The end user, the audience, also learns something as well. So there's discussions with writers. We've um, looked at scripts and we've made recommendations. And, you know, shows don't always take our recommendations. Um, And there's, of course, a sense of art that has to happen with those writers. But we want to make sure that they have the foundation and
0: um, the facts when and some real-life examples when they're scripting and developing these characters. Yes, we recently did a sh- uh, show talking about some old shows uh, that included Seinfeld and Mary Tyler Moore and Sex in the City. And in each of those cases, particularly Sex in the City and Mary Tyler Moore, there were fewer w- uh, female writers back in those days. And that uh, Sex in the City got a lot of attention because it had so many female writers. And the Mary Tyler Moore show did not, but it, it sought to get a female point of view in. Are we seeing that in the, these shows, you mentioned uh, LGBTQ writers, is there any sense that more of them are, are going to be involved or that that's an area that's getting improvement or still needs a lot of help? It's low, but it's happening. So the inclusion
1: of LGBTQ people in writers' rooms or as showrunners is starting to happen, and it's something that at Glad we've been pushing for. We had an event with CAA earlier this year. It actually kicked off the Glad Media Awards Week um and it was all about um inviting writers inviting potential future showrunners to CAA, to hear from some LGBTQ established people behind the camera. Um, And with CAA, we're hoping to create that pipeline. Once you have LGBTQ people in the writer's room, you see the benefits for it. Um, When you think about a show like Pose, Pose tells the story of several transgender women of color. Some of the characters are also living with HIV in the 80s. It is the largest cast of transgender people ever on television and it's a show that gets the cover of entertainment weekly and now the actresses are appearing all over red carpets it's gotten a lot of buzz and if pose was not told correctly i think the community would have responded in a really negative way because lgbtq twitter is a force um, and a very loud force that gets media attention. But you had people like uh, Janet Mock, who's an amazing trans writer and um, trans advocate. Um, And she's in the writer's room. She also directed an episode. Our Lady J, um, who's a trans writer, is also working on Pose. Stephen Canals, who's one of the co-creators of Pose, is um, a queer man of color. So I think when Ryan Murphy saw Pose and saw this idea and saw what it could be, one of the first steps that he took was to invite LGBTQ and specifically LGBTQ people of color and women like Janet Mock who happen to be transgender, invited them to work on the show and create it with him instead of just running with it. I think that was like that was very smart of, of Ryan and I think it, it educates a lot of other creators who are going to start telling stories of really diverse LGBTQ people, because the experience of a transgender woman of color is very different than the experience of myself, like a a gay white man. And I think if you have those voices in the writer's room or even as consultants on your show, you see huge benefits and the community, like I said, embraces it and celebrates it. And I'm hopeful that as a result, you'll see Pose. Not only be nominated for things like Glad Media Awards, but break through and be nominated for mainstream awards as well, like Emmys and SAG, and all of those.
0: Excellent. Now you mentioned earlier the, the the stereotypes that are fading away. How do you think that's come about? Is it just people who are who are doing these, these shows and these characters are realizing you can't go down the first of all stereotypes are generally wrong and 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 unfair. But to get to the point where they're fleshing them out into real specific characters that reflect the real people, is that more of just a Hollywood awareness or a national awareness with gay marriage being legalized and such yeah. in recent years? Or is that really something GLAAD and other groups have had to fight to promote and make sure the characters are genuine and not just as some kind of uh, stereotypical image? Yeah,
1: so we've talked about like quantity of the characters, but you're right, quality is also up as well, though that's not something we grade. Um, And I think it's a mixture of all of the elements that you just said. It's Hollywood, the leaders of Hollywood and showrunners and network executives who are LGBTQ themselves. If you think about like a network like NBC run by Bob Greenblatt, who's an out gay man. um, It's those people who are pushing for more representation that depicts what they're seeing in their own circles and it's also groups like Glad who have been advocating for better representation it's not just enough to have a sassy gay best friend but it's important to include LGBTQ people of color it's important to include LGBTQ people of different religions different socioeconomic backgrounds and then it's also like through the things like the Glad Media Awards every year Next year is actually the 30th anniversary of the GLAAD Media Awards. And through that program, we try and raise the bar. So we've um, honored some shows, and some of them are not like the hottest shows or the most watched shows, but they're shows that have included LGBTQ people in smart and unique ways that um, better depict like the real-life world that LGBTQ people are living in. So we try to use that as a carrot to raise the bar because every network and every studio loves getting awards and ha- building up their trophy bank. Thank like. Um, so we know that here at GLAAD, so we use those awards to try and bring more diverse stories. A great example is like This Is Us won Outstanding Drama last year. And when you think of This Is Us, a lot of people don't think of it as an LGBTQ show. Like, is that the best LGBTQ show on television right now? But what we saw This Is Us tell is um, one of the supporting stories was about an older uh, black bisexual man who is in a relationship with both – who is in relationships with both men and, and uh, earlier in his life with women. And you rarely hear the stories of black men who are bisexual especially on a show like This Is Us, which reaches such a wide audience. And they talked about his bisexual identity in ways that I think really educated people who were watching, like the soccer moms and dads out there in America who might have heard the word bisexual but didn't really know what it meant. And it really humanized um, an identity, and I think that was was excellent. And that's why that show received outstanding drama this past year at the GLAAD Awards.
0: And is it also a reflection on society getting more accepting and people not wanting to just watch the stereotypical gay character uh, who they might make fun of or present in an unfair way when you you'd realize, okay, we can make a gay character as interesting and as in-depth and as human and real as any other character, and that is actually more interesting to people when you have a gay character who's on and isn't always dealing with gay issues. They're dealing with being a parent. Yeah. They're dealing with relationships as you're talking racism or health problems. or One of my favorite shows is Modern Family, and the uh, mm-hmm. gay couple on there are just goofy, funny parents uh, having very right. little to do with being gay parents. They have a little bit of uh, they make a, a little bit of a little bit of the humor deals with their relationship, but it generally relates to being married or or being in a relationship and having children more than being a gay parent. And they have the same uh, wacky uh, problems and humor that the straight characters have. Um, and I think, as you said, that's true on a lot of shows. But I think isn't a lot of it just wanting to make a better character and a better show all around by giving the characters more uh, depth than just some stupid stereotype that's pretty outdated and most people aren't really following anyway.
1: Yeah, I think general
0: audiences are probably pretty
1: tired at this point of seeing the gay stereotype. I know LGBTQ audiences definitely are. So I think it's a reflection of what the audience wants, but there's also social impact involved. So right now, we're living in a culture where LGBTQ people and mainstream Americans can't look to the White House for LGBTQ acceptance. We can't look to Capitol Hill anymore. We're seeing um, things like the, the proposal from the Department of Health and Human Services to basically erase trans, being transgender from government agencies. So we're living in a time when anti-LGBTQ policies and just anti-LGBTQ rhetoric in our culture is on the upswing. So I think more than ever, it's important that Hollywood tells stories that are fully flesh out characters and that are going to grow understanding and grow acceptance of LGBTQ people. That's kind of our mission at GLAAD. It's not about lobbying on Capitol Hill, um, not about lobbying in courts. It's about lobbying the court of public opinion to accept LGBTQ people just as we are. And to, in order to do that, in order to reach the public, we always work through the media. So these character counts are super important um, to Pat Hollywood on the back to say you're doing the right job, but also what we want to include in that is a message that you need to be doing it because Washington, D.C. right now is not doing it. Bullying is up. Anti-LGBTQ discrimination and hate crimes are up. Over 20 transgender women have been murdered for being transgender this year. It has real world impact and the front lines to combat that is television and film and entertainment that reaches audiences here and really around the world with messages of acceptance and grows understanding as well.
0: And I also know in the uh, political realm, there's, we're seeing more transgender and, and gay and lesbian candidates of major parties this year, including, I believe it's yeah. Vermont, the Democrat uh, yep. candidate for governor there is transgender and doing well. Um, I don't know if you watched yeah. uh, Samantha Bee is another great show for for these rights. Yep. They did a great piece on how no one in Vermont even cares about the uh, the fact that this, this uh, candidate is, is transgender. They are looking at the yep. issues and they're supporting her and even her opponent isn't making it an issue. And I know there's plenty of other examples around the country of, of candidates uh, in the LGBTQ families that are running and winning and doing better. So what do you think is the biggest spark to bring about these characters at such record numbers? Is it Is it public influence? Is it groups like yours trying to do things? Is it Hollywood realizing they have to? Hollywood seems to be under pressure to be more diverse,
1: to be more inclusive, both in front of the camera and behind. I think audiences expect LGBTQ characters. They often root for them. They become fan favorite. We see LGBTQ characters and shows with with those storylines are buzzed about. They get earned media they get awards. And I think also it's it's the right thing to do. All of the major networks have corporate social responsibility departments or diversity and inclusion departments to make sure that they're prioritizing this. And it's not only inside their companies, but it's also um, looking out of their companies and the images that they present to the world. So I think it's a mixture of all of that. And like I said, there's still ways to go though. So while the overall number is up there's still room to grow for in the television world there still needs to be and it needs to continue it needs to be sustained what i do worry is that hollywood can become complacent and say okay well we did it we had um, our lgbtq moment mm-hmm. and now we can focus on some other areas but now more than ever and whether and not only lgbtq but it's all diversity needs to be prioritized in hollywood because it's not being prioritized in other areas of our culture um, and I worry about what happens if that visibility starts to dip, living in the culture and the political climate that we are currently under.
0: And hasn't Glad pushed for a 10% kind of average by a certain date? Or what's the goal that, that, that was put out recently? I believe it was some level you wanted to be reached by a certain time. Yeah, when you work with Hollywood, um, I think they do really
1: well with with numbers, and also they're very competitive. So if you give them a number to achieve and one or two do, the others try and catch up. To it. So, to unveil this report, we went to UTA, the talent agency, and we had a panel there with Greg Berlanti, Stephen Canals, the co creator of Pose, Lucinda Moorhead, who was a new UTA agent, um, and also the head of GLAAD, Sarah Kate Ellis. And she presented a challenge to the industry saying that, okay, we've reached a new high and a record high but let's continue this because these characters are our front lines to growing LGBTQ acceptance. So she challenged the industry to reach 10% of LGBTQ inclusion among broadcast series, regular characters on primetime scripted uh, by the year 2020 by the next presidential election, because we know in the next few years, LGBTQ issues have become a wedge issue like many marginalized communities. So as that rhetoric begins to grow, We want to see more inclusion and more stories that are going to like safeguard against Americans starting to swing the other way and starting to be affected by the anti-LGBTQ rhetoric that we're seeing uh, right now from elected officials or from anti-LGBTQ activists or just from policies that are being considered.
0: And isn't that the estimated percentage of the population as LGBTQ is about 10% or higher? There's no great number because some LGBTQ people
1: don't feel comfortable if you get a a phone call from Gallup or from sure. some of the other uh, research bodies to say, yeah yeah i 'm gay um, not all not all people li- work at Glad like I do, but yeah there are, there are definitely estimates from credible research bodies the Williams Institute out of California, Gallup, and other international recognized research that um, estimate around ten percent i 've seen also up to twelve percent and glad did um, a research study with the Harris poll last year that actually estimated among millennials." Uh, 20% identify as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Our um, definition of LGBTQ was really broad, especially when it came to uh, gender and being male or female or not identifying completely. Uh, so that number was was 20% among m- among millennials. And I think what you're seeing is that if you want to be current and you want to be in the zeitgeist of pop culture today, that includes lgbtq especially if you're looking at the younger audience and it's not only about the people who identify that way it's about the people who don't identify that way who have lgbtq in in their lives
0: and what are you seeing in the characters presenting those that are younger either teenagers or even children obviously there's been uh, stories in the news in recent years of parents being very supportive of their children who want to have a gender identity uh, change or be transgendered at you know as young as preschool child born a boy wants to dress and be treated like a girl and a lot of parents yep. are supporting that. I know the uh, there was a character on the new Roseanne now the Connors mm-hmm. um, the, yep. I believe it's uh, Sarah Gilbert's character's son gender creative character. They did a Halloween episode yeah. just this week where he dressed up in, in a woman's outfit, but it was a little unclear if he was trying to be a little trying to be a girl or just dress up as one. But obviously, that's an issue that has come up. That character has reflected it very positively. I thought, are we seeing a lot of younger characters in that realm, or is that still something that is evolving? We are seeing more
1: young LGBTQ characters. I think the character on Roseanne is a great example of raising the bar. Uh, it's actually a storyline. And that character is um, someone who Glad kind of helped on behind the scenes for the Republic when, when Roseanne, yeah, started back up because the creators of Roseanne and Sarah Gilbert herself wanted to tell a story that some parents were dealing with. And it was that character on Roseanne is referred to as gender creative or gender fluid. So a little boy who likes to express himself differently. And I think in one of the early episodes where Roseanne, and this is before all of the disgusting things right. that Roseanne we Separated said, it from that because um, it
0: is a separate yes. issue. Yeah. And
1: absolutely. Roseanne, the character who was a middle America grandma came to love her grandchild regardless of the clothes that the grandchild wore. So like that character, like are they transgender? Are they gay? I think we have to wait and see how the character develops right now. Um, the character identifies, like I said, as gender creative, as having an expression of their gender that doesn't match the masculine norms. But it was actually really great, and I think, for other grandmas out there to see someone like Roseanne just loving their grandkid no matter what. And I think they approached that storyline in a really good way. And I'm excited to see where it's going to head. The other young person who I think is breaking new ground is a character on Supergirl, which is a really hot show that Greg Berlanti produces on The CW, one of their biggest hits. And Supergirl in introduced this season. So the storyline is just starting out, but introduced a transgender superhero. And the character is played by an actress, uh, Nicole Maines, who's actually someone, she's trans herself. So she's someone who we worked with because um, her story broke a couple years ago about a transgender teenager kind of fighting for her school to accept her. And that's uh, a media story that Glad helped out on. And then, of course, she decides she wants to become an actress. She has talented. she gets cast as TV's first transgender superhero. And I'm just excited for Trans young people who are really struggling with their identity, several of them anyway, and don't have many places to look for affirmation. Instead, mm-hmm. they turn on the news and they see the White House trying to erase them from existence. But now there's not only a trans character on TV. But a superhero yeah. on one of the hottest shows, who is like them and who has been through similar experiences, and I think that could be a game
0: changer for um, marginalized people who feel isolated. Next one, we're talking to Rich Ferraro from the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. I'll ask you one other thing, and I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. How are you doing with the uh, negative characters? Are most of the characters giving at least a positive, authentic representation, or have you run into some of the characters that maybe don't have the stereotype? But uh, we'll will show some kind of deviant behavior or, or, you know, negative behavior, and you will sometimes have, if you're going to have a lot of characters, some villains who are LGBTQ, just out of the numbers I would imagine. Have you seen any characters in recent times that, that have been really badly misrepresenting LGBTQ traits, or for the most part have they been pretty authentic, most of the new ones? You said the, the key word
1: that, that we hold up at GLAD, which is authenticity, so it's not about being positive or negative, like some LGBTQ characters can also be villains, and sure. their LGBTQ your identity is not like what makes them villainous. Right. I think decades ago you used to see that, right? You used to see like a bisexual woman was someone who would trick a man into sleeping with her, right. trick a female into sleeping with her, um, and that trait would be villainous. Today, we actually hope that villains are LGBTQ or, be, or happen to be LGBTQ as long as their LGBTQ identity isn't the root of them being villains. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also you're seeing a TV landscape where there are a lot of anti heroes. So, you know, someone like Laverne Cox on Orange is the New Black might be construed as a bit of an anti hero because she is incarcerated for committing a crime. On the show um, but you learn to love her as a person and to root for her as a person so the antihero is something that is happening all over TV and I think LGBTQ people are included in that but again it's it's they're authentic to being LGBTQ versus being a villain who uses their sexuality to advance their villainous agenda but you know and and there are shows like Shadowhunters on um, freeform where LGBTQ characters are otherworldly, they're vampires and werewolves, and I think that's something that's actually exciting to see, like non-human identities who happen to be LGBTQ as well. So it's kind of just about being a part of the television diversity, not about having like apple pie and um, happy LGBTQ people. I think it's more interesting to have someone who happens to be LGBTQ, who is a part of the TV world landscape in whatever show that they live in in an authentic way.
0: Excellent. And while we're talking Hollywood, I'll just ask one other thing. How is the portrayal in movies these days? Obviously, there's more LGBTQ characters in films as well, I would think. But are they going along the same lines and doing a good positive reinforcement, or are they having difficulties as well? Uh, the film industry is miles and possibly even light years behind where the TV industry really? is. It would think, seem you think yeah. the opposite, right? They're, they're usually a lot more independent. Um, what, is the, what is the issue there? I think it could be the timeline for making films. So Hollywood has prioritized diversity
1: and inclusion, but and we're seeing like TV shows can be turned around in a quick way sure. and be inclusive. Films, there's a, a lot more of um, a runway for them. But we released a film report similar to the TV report, and we released that report in May. So in May of this year, right before kind of the, the summer blockbusters, mm-hmm. um, we found that of the 109 releases from the seven major studios mm-hmm. in the calendar year 2017, only 14 of them included LGBTQ
0: characters. Any characters so of any kind. Like any kind, Not necessarily right. Not necessarily lead or... Role. or... Yeah, you know, of that. A character on like, the movie. That's surprising yeah. because, again, they're so they're considered so liberal and so independent. And I know a few years ago we had, uh, was it Moonlight? Uh, was yep. it a movie that won Best Picture? Although that had some negative, maybe not of the LGBT characters, but uh, how they were treated, which would have been a fair uh, representation probably in many cases and I know years ago Brokeback Mountain got a lot of attention and in many people's minds mine included probably should have been a best picture and it had a it seemed to have a a, a good representation of the two gay men and it came off as positive people and dealing with issues that that they were dealing with and sadly one of them was murdered in the end because uh, don't ruin it for people who've never seen it but uh, for being gay at least that's the way it came out and so there was some authentic behavior there but yeah you don't I guess there hasn't been, as you said, fourteen characters out of those more than a hundred movies would seem limited. And that but... was in twenty seventeen. Yeah. It is on the upswing this year. So, okay. like next
1: May, when we release it, you're going to see films like Love Simon, which was a game changer, right? Yes, it was that a was major. teen romantic comedy with a gay character in front and center. I think like that will be a game changer, and it was received really, really well. And, and then what was there the other one this year on that
0: was uh, Call Me Your Name? Uh, Call Me By Your Name was but last that got year. Yep, and that was some as well, Oscar. though, because it was an underage yep. character. Did that seem to be or not? Yeah, it was a
1: 17-year-old. The love story was between a 24-year-old yeah. and a 17-year-old. So there was some discussion about that, but I think Call Me By Your Name ultimately was nominated for an Oscar. Yes. Um, this year, you also saw there's a great film out called Can You Ever Forgive Me? starring Melissa McCarthy, and it's her first, it's one of her first dramatic turns. A lot of people are saying she's going to be nominated for Best Actress. She's a writer in the film who's forging letters um, that celebrities and notables um, have supposedly written. But she's also lesbian in the film, and that's talked about in a very kind of casual way that I thought was so interesting. That it wasn't a film about a lesbian woman, it was about right. a film about a writer who happened to be lesbian. And last night I saw uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the biopic of Freddie Mercury. Oh, it, was, it was tremendous. Does that play yeah. well
0: with, with uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, bisexuality in a positive way? Yes, and I think what's,
1: what's pretty groundbreaking in that film, which is now going to be released in theaters yes, around I'm the country is
0: i'm a
1: big fan myself i'll ask then you will love it yeah, <laughs> the, okay. the music is just the music is the star of the film yeah, and rami uh, malek is, is great in it but he says in the film i'm bisexual yeah. and he uses that word and i don't think in a lot of hollywood films you ever hear especially that word bisexual yes you see like coded imagery like you'll see them give looks to a guy and kiss a woman, or the idea of bisexuality is not something that Hollywood has really explored in a great way in a mainstream film like this in Beaters. And he says bisexual, you see him in relationships with people of both genders. And it's not just like about having sex with those people. It's mm-hmm. deep connections with them. So I thought that was smart. And then there's also Great discussions in the film about the HIV/AIDS epidemic yes. and Freddie Mercury dealing with with living with HIV. So I think that is a, a great example of inclusion. So film is is on the uptick.
0: We're also gonna. There's also gonna be an Elton John film next spring. And uh, yeah. do you know how much yep. anything about how that deals with his bisexuality. I mean, it must I have, haven't must heard anything about.
1: It. No, I haven't heard, but. I think it's exciting that some of these yeah. LGBTQ pioneers who we followed up glad now like the world is gonna to get to look at them behind just what they've seen in the media and what they've seen on stage. So you'll get to know about Elton's coming out, I assume, and some of his LGBTQ identity. I think a lot of people beyond like Freddie Mercury like and Queen Deep fans probably didn't realize he was bisexual. Maybe they thought he was a little gay, maybe they thought he was flamboyant, but this really makes it explicit about who he was, and I think as a result you learned something not only about Freddie Mercury but about the community overall.
0: And is our society, have they come to grips with bisexuality? I think a lot of people can accept, okay, if someone's gay or lesbian or even transgender, but the idea of bisexuality where you are attracted to men and women and the different variations of that, I, I know people who are very open and, and accepting, sort of, they're accepting of it, but they still don't understand it necessarily because it's it's a different trait than a lot of people have, or is that welcomed and, and and properly accepted as well? Yeah, I think it's it's exactly what you said. When you think
1: about bisexuality, yeah. people don't understand it yet. Like they're still learning about it. It was like a, a hot button word, but until you meet someone who is bisexual, you probably are going to have some negative stereotypes associated with it, or assume it's just about who you want to get into bed with, and I think bisexual visibility is something that we push for here at GLAAD. When it comes to like the marginalized communities within LGBTQ, that's something that we prioritize. So it's about telling trans stories, it's about telling LGBTQ people of color stories, and the bi community is one of those that we're really pushing for. There's a great program called Bisexual Awareness Week, um, which happens the third week of September, where we do a lot of education to mainstream audiences about what being bi is all about. And there's a show, at Brooklyn Nine Nine, which moved from Fox to NBC, which features Stephanie Beatrice, who's a bisexual woman playing a bisexual character on the show. So and yeah, through her. And she's also Latina. So there's all of the there's a lot of diversity in that character. And as a result, they've become a fan favorite. They really put, that character really has put Stephanie on the map, and now she's appearing in other projects. She's been on stage at the Glad Awards bunch. But I thought what was really interesting and what the bi community cheered for was that when the character was coming out, she used the word bisexual. Right. A lot of times people would be like, oh, I'm attracted to anyone, or love is love, but... She specifically said, "I am bisexual," which is going to educate people about what that means.
0: And is there a high percentage of your growing character number that is identified bisexual among these? You know, the record number of characters on these shows. Are there a higher number that are saying bisexual, or is that still something that's working its way up?
1: Yeah, and I think saying the word and like those representations. There's only like it can only they can only go up from here in terms of quality. But the total number of bi people was up this year, so there are 117 characters who are bisexual across broadcast cable and streaming. Last year was 93,
0: this year it's 117. Excellent. And are you getting a lot of bisexual, gay, lesbian, transgender questioning actors playing these roles? Or is it still a straight actor playing a gay character? You know, most of the actors who are playing them, are they getting in there as well? Uh, it depends. So like, mm-hmm. Stephanie's character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a great example right. and I think it just adds to the authenticity
1: when the when the actor has experienced firsthand what it's like to say I am sure, bisexual. Sure, I, I mean, that would seem to be the preferred thing, right? Um, yeah, and when you think about transgender actors, I think it's very important for a trans actor today to play a trans role. That's something that we often push for here at GLAAD because at the end of the day, when Laverne Cox, who's a trans woman, is doing interviews and doing press and on an award show stages talking about her character, it's important that that person is a woman. Can you imagine if Laverne Cox's character on Orange is the New Black was played by a man? and who put on a costume for Sophia. That costume would be seen as a costume by audiences, whereas Laverne Cox now is seen as a woman and educating people that trans women are women. women. They don't take off their costume at the end of the night. So I think right now, in terms of understanding of American audiences and the understanding that they have, it's very important that trans characters are trans people because otherwise audiences walk away and think, oh, that character was a guy in a dress. That's what a transgender woman is. No, that's not what a right. transgender woman is.
0: So. Are most of these characters being portrayed by actors and actresses who are the same as the character? On the trans front, yes. Or on any um, of the fronts. Think about Pose and Supergirl. We don't count that the actors, so I can't
1: say with certainty, but right. it does feel that a lot of these roles are played by members of the LGBTQ community, but when it comes to gay characters, like you think about someone like Eric McCormick who plays Walt Truman excellently and has educated and open hearts and minds, so He's someone to hold up and say, he did this right. And I I can't imagine the research that went into that character, especially when the show started like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But he clearly did his homework and he clearly had a clear understanding of how to break through the stereotypes
0: about gay people and and be authentic in his portrayal. Okay. And again, we've been talking to Rich Ferraro from GLAD, the Gay-Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation about the great record number of gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual questioning characters on television shows uh, we're like seeing more work of that in Hollywood and movies, but the fact that so many scripted shows are are increasing their use of these characters and in mostly a positive way is good. You can get more information at the GLAD Where We Are On TV Report. That's at GLAD.org uh, for twenty eighteen. And a lot of other great information for people who don't know Glad, although I'm sure most people do. Obviously, you have such a great following and, and a lot of great research and work and advocacy. I just go on their site and see so many great pieces of information and, and issues and campaigns being promoted. And obviously, you're out speaking about them. And for those who haven't seen some of the shows that you mentioned, definitely check them out and, and see what, what the characters are doing and learning and how the public is responding and, and the positive aspects of all of this. So I appreciate your time, Rich, and we'll probably bother you again, I'm sure. Yeah, feel free. It was a fun conversation. Well, thank Thanks you for covering that. No problem. Anytime. Be well. And that's it for this week's edition of Joe's Media Corner. Don't forget to visit our sponsor website. That's Jiminy's Dog Treats. Cricket protein that's hypoallergenic, humane, nutritious, and delicious, fights climate change, and helps the environment. Reduce your carbon paw print with Jiminy's Dog Treats at Jiminy's.com, J I M I N Y S. J I M I N Y S. And we'll see you back next time right here for Joe's Media Corner. Thanks for listening.